0: Shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian media app.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: Our special guest today predicts that history will record that this was Australia's lost decade. He says Canberra has worked very hard for Canberra, but not for Australia's regional communities. He says the debt has continued to climb. Politicians are obsessed over left-wing fads. Climate ideology, gay marriage and identity politics have set our country back. Well, a lot of eyes are on our guest today. For 10 years, Lyle Shelton was at the helm of the Australian Christian Lobby as a political activist and a prominent social conservative. His character has been forged in the biggest battle on the national stage, testing his principles to represent the no campaign in last year's postal survey on Australian marriage law. Now, that battle was lost, but Australians saw the heart of a true Christian champion who refused to buckle under the radical battle with ideological LGBT activists. Well, in February this year, as a reminder, he resigned from his position with the Australian Christian Lobby. His intention was to enter the political arena, and so he joined Corey Bernardi's Australian Conservatives. Today, Lyle Shelton holds the role of Federal Communications Director for the Australian Conservatives and is the Senate candidate for the state of Queensland for an upcoming federal election. So a special welcome along to 2020 Today to Lyle Shelton. Neil thank you very much Thank you for those kind words of introduction It's funny you know Lyle because we used to have an update every week And it would be Lyle Shelton on a Monday morning And we'd get a bit of a political idea what's going on in the country Uh, All of a sudden uh, you've resigned from that position And uh, you're moving into a political realm And uh, so someone else takes over that responsibility with the Australian Christian Lobby We still do that every Monday morning But for people who are thinking, I used to hear Lyle every week on the radio, I don't hear him anymore, Uh, they'll be impressed to hear that uh, you're actually in your new role, things are functioning, things are growing but uh, give us some insight into how you're settling in.
3: No, thanks Neil I'm settling in really well, it's been uh, just over six months since I've been back here in Queensland, settled into Brisbane I don't miss the 7.30am phone calls from uh, yourself or Tracy from Vision, (laughs) Uh, no I I did enjoy that, do that for many, many years uh, and uh, I I take it Martin Isles, my successor has has taken that on. But um, it's great to be uh, part of a political party. I I really felt like something had shifted um, with me personally towards the end of last year being involved in that momentous marriage debate and just the sense of feeling uh, let down by uh, our parliamentarians uh, who really didn't, um, on the whole, fight for the truth about marriage. And uh, that made me Uh, a bit of a bear with a sore head, and I thought, well, um, perhaps uh, this is an opportunity to uh, see if I can uh, get into the political process, uh, be elected as a senator from Queensland, and uh, we're able to do that fantastic transition with ACL, with Martin being able to take my role, and and me then being free to pursue a direction in a different part of the battlefield with uh, the Conservative Party.
2: When you wear that cap of political lobbyist, Australian Christian lobby, uh, there's a certain sense in which, yes, you can be a critic of both sides, but because you are a lobbyist, and lobbyists tend to want to make friends uh, with political uh, leaders, uh, there is a sense in which uh, you don't have to be quite so friendly now. Uh, you can you can put the boot in if you're, you know, this to use a little bit of an Aussie uh, terminology, you know, mm. put the boot in. You can put the boot in if you want to because now you're actually in the political game. You've taken a side in politics and, in fact, uh, you're not... Uh, the lapdog of the Liberals or the Nationals, or indeed the Labour Party or the Greens. Uh, you're out with Corey Bernardi, and uh, clearly, as a Australian Conservative, uh, you want to be able to make a criticism from time to time of all sides of politics. Do you feel there's a certain freedom in being able to do that?
3: Yeah, there's definitely a, a little bit, uh, you know, a lot more freedom in a political party. Um, Look, it's really important that lobby groups like Australian Christian Lobby uh, maintain their non-partisan stance, and I know that's a core value of the organisation. It doesn't mean that uh, ACL is not critical of policy positions taken by either side. But uh, you're quite right. They do try to build bridges across both sides of politics, and that's really important. I love the work of ACL. We desperately need uh, its ongoing voice. Um, being in a political party, though, is a little different um, because we're actually seeking to to gain seats in the parliament, uh, in the Senate, and, and that means uh, engaging a little bit more acutely the battle uh, for ideas and the battle for political control, really. Um, and this is all using the tools of democracy that are available to any citizen who wants to organize themselves in a, in a political grouping like we have done at the Conservative Party. So, so that's the difference. Um, advocacy groups like ACL are not seeking office. They're not seeking seats, uh, in Parliament. Uh, we are, and therefore you, you can be a little bit more critical. Um, you have um, political sides. You're part of a tribe, and, and this is just natural. It's, it's quite appropriate for there to be uh, a robust level of debate as you seek to win support and win votes and therefore win seats uh, in the parliament. So it is a bit different. I, I hope that I always still engage uh, in a Christian way with, um, I think, grace uh, and love uh, and truth need to be part of the equation always, whether you're a lobbyist with ACL or whether you're in a political party.
2: Well, I must say I went onto the website uh, for the Australian Conservatives as I was preparing for our conversation today and I thought I'll have a quick flick through the policies of the Australian Conservatives, to find those policies that I might take issue with. And uh, I might say that as a Christian running my uh, thoughts over the policies of the Australian Conservatives, I didn't find a lot of issues in there that as a Christian I would have real trouble with. I'm imagining that you've had a big input into policy formation since February and uh, and that there is a real certain sense of a Christian foundation that's come into what we would call conservative policies. Uh, what are your thoughts about how policy formation is happening within the Australian Conservatives?
3: Yeah, look, I, I find that the party is very much aligned to my Christian values. It's not a Christian party. Uh, it's um it, it's a conservative party, but we have baked into the constitution that we are a party that will uphold Judeo-Christian values. So that that's baked into the Constitution, So, uh, and that's just a factor of Australia's uh, history, uh, where its culture came from, and, and that gives me a lot of comfort as a, as a Christian. I feel very comfortable with the values of the party. I, I read Cory Bernardi's book, The Conservative Revolution, when it came out about five years ago. This was before I had any thought of even joining, but um, I felt like he was saying things that very much resonated with me. I recognise that um, not all Christians will uh, agree, like perhaps uh, you and I might uh, resonate with uh, the, the party policies as, as outlined on the website. But I think a, a lot will, and um, and uh, I think it's a comfortable place, um, certainly for myself personally, and I, and I hope it is uh, for lots of other Christians who are looking for a party that will fight for. Uh, the human rights of the unborn. We'll fight for the natural family. We'll fight for freedom of speech and won't shirk those issues as well as the big economic issues about our debt and uh, seeking to lower taxes and, and make government smaller uh, so that there's more freedom uh, for everyone, but also particularly freedom for the gospel. I think every listener is going to appreciate
2: the idea that when you have a political party, there needs to be some level of separation that doesn't align you with a particular denominational. Christianity, but the idea that there is Christian influence and deep thought that's gone into the policy formation is what is going to resonate uh, with listeners. And uh, when we talk about Corey Bernardi, uh, the leader, your boss, uh, I imagine we'd say, uh, I mean, he has a, a Christian foundation to his. Uh, upbringing, what has shaped him as an individual. And uh, from my understanding, there's been a Catholic shaping on his side. You come from a uh, evangelical Christian Protestant shaping. I mean, there's actually something pretty good about, about key party members, uh, party leaders, uh, who are actually representative of some different Christian shaping, isn't there?
3: Yeah, I, I think so, Neil. Um, look, we we happen to come from those... Uh, faith traditions as you mentioned Uh, we also have people in the party who uh, are not Christians Uh, but there's a commonality uh, and a recognition that uh, Christianity, the Judeo-Christian ethic has been the foundation of Australia so I think that's an important starting point and you don't have to be a Christian to accept that Um, and I think the important thing is that people are realising that uh, as we walk away from those values, um, wh- whether it's, uh, in the form of, uh, aggressive secularism that seeks to then, you know, deny our institutions and, and trash them, whether it's, um, uh, kowtowing to, uh, other religions and cultures, uh, and, you know, those people are, of course, welcome in our nation, but we've got to have this debate about, uh, what is, is the culture that is going to, uh, be the animating, um, culture of our Nation of our politics, uh, what um, is the foundation of our laws and our legal system? And I think that's where many of us realise that uh, we are eroding and chipping away at the Christian foundations of uh, the rule of law, which you know came from the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, the Bible very much shaped our legal system, our our democratic process, and, and these things are very much under threat by secularists who are who are using political correctness to try and deny free speech um, and through potential. Um, uh, kowtowing to religions like Islam, um, which, which is incompatible with uh, freedom and democracy. So these are the challenges that we're facing as a society, and these are the sort of challenges that um, we find common cause uh, as, as people of, of faith or of no faith uh, within the Conservative Party.
2: Lyle, we're asking a question of listeners today. What's wrong with Canberra? And uh, when I was making a coffee a little earlier this morning, uh, I offered that uh, thought. Uh, This is what we'll be talking about today. Someone said it's cold in Canberra. That's what's wrong with Canberra. But then uh, why is Canberra so cold when there's so much hot air coming from out of that (laughs) Parliament House? Uh, But when we talk about what's wrong with Canberra, this is a very serious question because uh, people who have a Christian ethic are trying to make sense of some of the decisions that get made out of Canberra. Uh, there's this idea and I know that uh, Corey Bernardi talks about the idea that Canberra's in a bubble and you've got to burst that bubble. Uh, When we talk about what's wrong with Canberra,
3: what are your thoughts on on how you describe what's wrong? Well, I I think the first thing to say is Canberra as a city is a great city. Uh, I I think it was the right decision of our uh, founders to uh, place a a capital city in the inland that wasn't Sydney or Melbourne uh, that's a a neutral ground and it's a beautiful place Um, some of our great um, national institutions are there the war memorial of course the parliament itself uh, uh, the Australian Museum National Gallery all of these things are fantastic and every school kid goes and visits Canberra and it's a great reminder of who we are as a people but when we say what's wrong with Canberra Canberra is a metaphor for our political system, which, which is very badly broken. And, and that's the heart of what we're trying to uh, achieve at the Conservative Party is to burst that Canberra bubble. Uh, politicians have lost touch with reality. Um, it, it's like a big sort of boarding school down there, which is detached from the everyday lives of Australians. And this is why we've seen a situation where our, our debt is now out of control because of the inability of Politicians to focus on reality. Uh, you get crazy policies around gender, and you know we've seen marriage redefined last year again because people drink the Kool Aid down there of intellectual elites and think they're really smart and important if they go with these crazy green left social trends. Uh, and so this is why the bubble has got to be burst. We've got to bring some reality back into Canberra, and uh, that's why. Um, That's why we obviously believe we need to get conservative senators elected who can be a voice for common sense uh, in that Canberra bubble. Drinking the Kool-Aid of the intellectuals,
2: uh, when people are elected to our federal parliament and they then become the target of lobbyists. Now, you're a former lobbyist. And you've befriended politicians and you've shared your thoughts, your insights, you've tried to help to influence the the way that they think. The Kool-Aid of the intellectuals, there's clearly a lot more lobbyists in Canberra than just the Australian Christian lobby. Uh, And this is the influence
3: that comes upon the political thinking. Yeah, that's right. It, It does come from lobbyists. It comes through the media. Uh, it also comes and and I think this is the most powerful force um I, I would say the greens political party and and some of their crazy ideas which you know ten years ago they would get up in the parliament and and move motions of of uh, notices of motion you know whether it's around um, same-sex marriage whether it's around um extreme uh, environmental policies and people would just sort of ignore them but no one took on their ideas no one contested them uh, in a really sustained. Uh, clear way. And so now all of a sudden we find ourselves with uh good politicians and many of the ones that I used to lobby um going along with the idea that a child's gender is fluid. You know, this is how we got the so-called Safe Schools Program has now got a foothold in many states of Australia. And it came as a result of the Greens chipping away with crazy, unscientific, dangerous ideas about gender, about degendering marriage, and that's now affecting freedom of speech and freedom of religion, putting pressure... Uh, on Christians and ordinary Australians who believe the truth about that in ways that we've never seen before climate policy is is another one and, and I know some people might disagree with me on this but you know Australia produces 1.3 percent of the world's carbon dioxide emissions uh, we're supposed to cut our 1.3 percent by 26 percent under the Paris climate uh, Accord now you know the chief scientist Alan Finkel has said if we cut all of our 1.3% of emissions, it would make virtually no difference to the environment, uh, no difference to uh, trying to quote, quote, save the planet. And yet we are enduring uh, incredibly high electricity prices and unreliable electricity. Now, why do I mention, you know, these two examples of, of gender uh, and, uh, and energy? Uh, these are things that the Greens have driven over time. And it's now caused both sides of politics. Labor has capitulated to both of these crazy agendas and a big chunk of the Liberal and National Party have capitulated. And this is what's causing our country to drift to the radical green left. And there aren't enough parliamentarians of courage who are willing to stand up and oppose this. Cory Bernardi did for 10 years in the Liberal Party and found that he was banging his head against a brick wall. This is why... Uh, he's formed the Conservative Party. This is why we're trying to get some senators in there to try and bring some common sense back to the place.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open,
2: 1-800-316-316. What's wrong with Canberra? Our special guest this hour is Lyle Shelton. Uh, these days he's moved from being political activist and prominent social conservative lobbyist with the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, these days uh, he has a role in the Australian Conservatives. In fact, he's the National Communications Director for the Australian Conservatives. We're taking calls on one eight hundred 316 Let's hear from Peter in Glenorie in New South Wales. Hello, Peter. Welcome along. Yes, yeah, thanks, Neil.
4: Thanks, and um, hello, Lyle. Um, Lyle, I just want to, first of all, thank you for um, the wonderful job you did as CEO of um, Australian Christian Lobby and, and what a champion you were in uh, being our leader in the same-sex marriage debate.
3: Oh, thank, thank you, Peter. Um, look, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I just want to say um, that... Uh, I was part of an amazing team of of people, and, um, yes, I had the privilege of of, uh, being a leader in that movement and with ACL, but uh, I do want to pay tribute to the incredible team that were with me, and uh, we've been through uh, a big battle, and I think we'll all uh, feel like we are comrades in arms for the rest of our lives as a a result of fighting that, but um, I I just happen to be the visual representation of a lot of other people's very hard work. Peter, do you have a perspective on what you think is wrong with Canberra?
4: Um, well, there's so much wrong with it. Uh, um, you know, the Labor Party is, you might as well call it the Satanic Party. Um, you know, I just, there's so much wrong with it. Um, but, and lots of the, uh, liberal, um, politicians are very disappointing in in the way they have, um, gone down that, uh, left-wing side. They're supposed to be a right-wing party, but, but they're, um, almost all the way to the left, most of them. But, look, I've just got a couple of quick questions. Um, firstly, I wanted to know, with the Conservative Party, where your preferences would go to in the next federal election? That's the first question. Then second question is, I'll either be voting for the Conservative Party or the Christian Democratic Party. And, uh, Lyle, I just wanted to know, if, why should I vote the Conservative Party
2: instead of the Christian Democratic Party? Let's have a yeah. quick response. Lyle, good, good questions there.
3: Yeah, the, the first question relating to preferences, Peter, um, our, our preferences will, uh, on the whole, go to the coalition, to the Liberal and National parties. We're not here to try and wreck uh, the conservative side of politics. We're not here to try and keep uh, the Liberal National Coalition out of government. Um, so that's a really important point. Other Conservative minor parties have preferenced against the Conservatives, most notably here in Queensland where Pauline Hanson uh, delivered victory to the Palaszczuk Labor government uh, and, and uh, her deputy Tr- Jackie Trad, who are now introducing uh, abortion and euthanasia laws. So so that was a, a big own goal kicked by, you know, a supposed Conservative party. So we won't do that. Um, with regard to, you know, us or the, the CDP, again, with the preferential system of voting, um, you can safely vote for, you know, us first, or or the CDP first, and then vote for the the um, Liberal or National parties. It really does come down to your preference. Uh, but voting for uh, a minor party first in the Senate um, does really give the opportunity to to send uh, common sense senators uh, to uh, Canberra. And uh, you've got Sophie York, um, uh, my good friend, who's running as our lead Senate candidate in New South Wales. There, and I would you know highly commend. Uh, her as someone you might want to consider. I'm not sure who the CDP is putting up. Um, I know Fred Nile and and that they do a great job. Uh, I imagine they'll be running a Senate candidate as well. So so really, it comes down to who you feel most uh, confident with. But I, I would suggest that um, that uh, the, the Conservative Party and Sophie York in New South Wales have the best chance of the two. And uh, it really comes down to who do you think's got the best chance of getting in and and throwing your weight behind them. And and you know, I'd, I'd Humbly suggest it, it's the Conservative Party. Thank you so much to Peter. Let's take another call, and you can be
2: part of our conversation, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Rob is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Rob. Welcome along. Yes,
5: good morning, Neil. Good morning, Lyle.
2: Good morning. Rob, what are your Thanks thoughts? Thanks for
5: having me. Look, I just wanted to make a couple of quick comments, um, largely as by way of encouragement to Lyle and to the party. Uh, I've been um, an evangelical Christian for about 44 years, or roughly two-thirds of my life. Um, last year, around the middle of last year, about 12 months ago, I joined Australian Conservatives. Well done. <laughs> uh, I had never been a member of a political party in my life, never expected to be. And um, But as I became uh, acquainted with the party, I read Corey's book, Uh, I read Corey's book actually after I joined, but I started to become familiar with the party in the first half of last year, and I thought this is a lay down misère. It's the only way to go. I was so, I was, I'm a regular viewer, if I hope I can say this, uh, of Fox, which of course has a lot of conservative commentators on it, such as Andrew Bolt and, um, Peter Credlin, et
2: Rob, but, just to um, just to cut in yeah. here, is there a issue that you'd like to raise? And we're running a little bit of short of time yeah. uh, about what's wrong with Canberra. That's the focus of our conversation today. What are your thoughts?
5: Well, I just reiterate a lot of the comments that we've already heard from the previous caller and uh, that have been made um, by Lyle uh, leading up to now. Um, the place is a basket case.
2: Uh, but yes,
5: the Greens, the left have had such disproportionate
2: influence. Mm. Rob, Lyle. I'll cut in here because we're just a minute out from news for a quick response from Lyle. Uh, the place is a basket case.
3: Uh, the left of politics, huge influence. Your response? This, this is the problem, Rob. You put your your finger on it. It's, it's the lack of courage by even people in the Liberal and the National Party to stand up against the Greens. Where, you know It was the Liberal and National Party that helped enable uh, the loss of uh, marriage. Yes, there was a plebiscite, but uh, they could have stopped it and they didn't. They haven't stood up for freedom of speech and freedom of religion. That's why we need the Conservative Party, people who are going to be courageous and willing to burst that Canberra bubble. Before we take another call, let me just ask you about the Super Saturday
2: by-elections that are coming up on the weekend. Uh, there are no Australian Conservative candidates in any of the Seats. There's Longman, Queensland, Mayo in South Australia, Braddon in Tasmania, Fremantle in Western Australia and Perth in Western Australia, five by-elections but the ramifications of what might happen in those by-elections is something that will interest every listener. What are your thoughts about what will happen if the Liberal
3: National Party wins one of those seats? Yeah, this will be a, a seismic um, shift in our nation. Um, a, a government has not won a seat in a by-election off an opposition party for 117 years. So uh, Australians have always used a by-election as an opportunity to kick the government where it hurts at the ballot box. So if um, the Liberal National Party picks up the seat of Longman here in Queensland based on Caboolture, Bribe Island area uh, and Trevor Ruthenberg uh, is elected, that will put... Enormous pressure on uh, Bill Shorten's leadership as leader of the Labor Party. Similarly, if uh, Brett Whiteley wins in the seat of Braddon in Tasmania. Uh, Now, those two seats, Braddon and Longman, are the only two that are really in play. And and a loss in either one of those for Labor uh, will put pressure on Bill Shorten. We see Anthony Albanese um, positioning, and uh, there, there may well be an appetite to change leaders. And I think that would give Labor incredible momentum going forward. And I think that would be a trigger uh, for Malcolm Turnbull, the leader of the coalition government, uh, to want to halt any sort of momentum that might be gained uh, by a change in Labor leadership and run to an early uh, election. I think that would be uh, a scenario that would be highly likely uh, if uh, if just one of those seats went to the LNP uh, on Saturday, uh, just just uh, reflecting on that, just for a moment,
2: uh, what you're suggesting is that if one of those seats falls, and the possibility, and some are saying even the likelihood, uh, of Longman in Queensland or Braddon in Tasmania, that that could be the trigger for an early
3: federal election. Yes, that's right, because of those leadership dynamics that uh, could well come into play in the Labor Party. Um, I think if if the Labor Party decided to stick with Bill Shorten, um, regardless of the outcome, uh, I think you would find that uh, Malcolm Turnbull and the government would uh, let the uh, term run to its completion, uh, which is uh, uh, May next year. That's when the election must be held by. But uh, if there was... Uh, to be rumblings of a leadership change in Labor, I think you'd want to see Malcolm Turnbull cut that off because uh, there would be a lot of momentum. Remember back to uh, 2006 when Kevin Rudd uh, became the leader of the Labor Party, he mounted a coup against Kim Beasley. Uh, Kim Beasley had been struggling in the polls, and then suddenly there was this Kevin 07 Rudd sort of factor Uh, that swept all before it. I think you would have the same with an elbow factor uh, should there be a change of leadership. So if Shorten does badly on Saturday, uh, look out, and I I think you'd see Malcolm Turnbull trying to head that off as quickly as he could by running to the polls. All right, the possibility of an early federal election,
2: a good reason why we ought to be asking what's wrong with Canberra. Uh, all our lines full let's take some calls and we'll try and be as quick as we can with calls and with responses let's hear from Zoran in Redcliffe in Queensland hello Zoran thanks for waiting so patiently
6: that's all right good morning Neil good morning well, well I don't really know you that well I've, I've sort of only got a bit of a gist of you this morning but the the simple thing is, is what I said when I was 18 years old in 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 front of a councillor of our, of the Moreton Bay region here it's, what's wrong with Canberra? It's the system. It's simple, the system that's, that's, that's not relying on, on families and it's, it's, it's a basic thing that they don't agree with each other and everybody understands that. It doesn't matter if you're the Liberal Party, you're the Labor Party, you're whatever party, we must always agree on one thing. A lot of people don't understand that when something's got to go through, it's got to go through the lower house, then it's got to go through the upper house, then it's got to go through benches, then it's got to go through this and through everything else. Um, we don't want to hit ourselves into kleptocracy, which is, um, you know, uh, uh, corrupting and thieving of governments. We've got to think about the surprisingly um, suggestions of today's issues. And one big issue that I don't think anybody's brought up is that they wanna take God's word out of government. Well, um, you know, it's, it's just not on. And with the, all the immigration and everything that we have today, everybody that comes into Australia is the same people. We're, we're, we're no different. All right, Zoran,
2: let me just cut in here uh, your response to some of the things that Zoran is
3: sharing yeah. there. Zor- Zoran, you're exactly right. Um, the system is broken there. Uh, there's an unreality that sets in. I talked earlier about the Kool-Aid that politicians drink. Things drift easily in Canberra because life becomes comfortable for politicians. They get paid well. They're inside this Canberra bubble. They've got the left reinforcing what the narrative should be, so the debt blows out to 500 uh, uh Five hundred billion dollars uh, heading towards uh, three quarters of a trillion dollars. Um, y- you walk away from basic principles. You mentioned family. You know, we somehow you know, only Canberra could give us the idea that marriage could, you know, be redefined. Only Canberra could give us the idea that gender is fluid and that we should teach that to our children. You know, only ge- only. A broken political system could give us the idea that uh, we shouldn't use coal for generating uh, baseload power and and using the competitive advantage that this country has because of its natural resources to ensure that we have uh, affordable and cheap and reliable electricity. So the system is incapable, has proven itself incapable of dealing with these very basic issues because of the Canberra bubble and because politicians don't have the courage to buck these prevailing green-left trends. Zoran from Redcliffe, thank you so much for your call. We'll take as many as calls as we can.
2: Let's hear from Pete in Batemans Bay in New South Wales. Hello, Pete. Welcome along. Thank you. How are you? Very well, Pete. Uh, very quickly, what's your? what are your very concerns? Very quickly,
0: yep. Look, uh, I read an article in one of the spreadsheets about two years ago that probably comes to the hub of all this, and that was that Gransky, a, a Marxist in 1930 tried to sell his Marxism to the American workers and they wouldn't take it up and he couldn't understand why and the reason was that the the American worker knew they'd go broke that they if they got rid of all their churches and all their institutions and all their big business they would starve to death he couldn't sell it to the workers of America but he was able to sell it to the intellectuals in Europe who fled Europe before the start of the war and went to America This article went on to say that they've since infiltrated all of the high places of learning, all of the media, all of the bureaucracy, all of the public service. And we see that reflected now in our universities and in our media. And I think Canberra has just just fallen for the lie.
3: Uh, good thoughts, Pete? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete, you're exactly right. These intellectuals like Gramsci, like Rousseau, uh, so many others which have influenced um, modern philosophy, which have influenced uh, Marxism, um, those ideas haven't gone away with the collapse of the Berlin Wall and the defeat of Soviet communism uh, in the Cold War. They live on in cultural Marxism. Uh, they have infected all areas. And um, you've only got to look at what, you know, so Robert Menzies could see this back in 1946. He he warned in one of his famous radio broadcasts that uh, communism wanted to, uh, destroyed the family wanted to abolish what the communists called bourgeois marriage now this is 1946 at the you know the as the Cold War was was getting underway well they lost the Cold War but what are they still trying to do uh, abolish the family abolish uh, marriage um, that they are seeking to control uh, the global economy through socialism that's what essentially the climate policy uh, does um, uh, bigger government all of these ideas are right through uh right through Canberra, through all the political institutions, the media, and, of course, our universities, which are hostile uh, to uh, a Western uh, civilization approach. It's embraced cultural Marxism. So, so Peter, you are dead right, and this is the problem, and not enough politicians have the courage to stand up to it. Pete from Batemans Bay, thank you so much for very
2: insightful comments. Let's take a call. John is in Bansdale in Victoria. Hello, John. Welcome along.
5: Good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Canberra per se, but it's just full of weak, lazy, fat, overpaid, nitpicking politicians who can't see past the next election. They have sold this country, this greatest country in the world, and they've sold it down the tube.
2: Good thoughts, John. Okay, well, there's plenty to work with there by way of some
3: adjectives. John, I'll, I'll just um, say to that, uh, you, you are dead right. One of the ways that the Conservative Party is trying to address that is is by saying that there should be a pay freeze on all politicians and senior public servants until the budget is brought back into surplus. Uh, Now, I don't see anyone adopting that apart from the Conservative Party, but that's the sort of reality check and tough love that's needed to try and bring reality back to Canberra. John from Bansdale,
2: thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open. 1-800-316-316 You might have your own thoughts on what's wrong with Canberra. Our special guest this hour is Lyle Shelton. He holds the role of Federal Communications Director for the Australian Conservatives. He's also the Senate candidate for the state of Queensland in the upcoming federal election. Let's take a moment here. You mentioned in New South Wales the candidate is going to be Sophie York now she was also a key player in the defence of marriage in the lead-up to the vote last year. Uh, you've got some fabulous people in various states. If you can run through a few of those mm. names, I'm sure listeners will recognise some of them.
3: Yeah, they will, Neil. Look, uh, from our point of view, we've got the Dream Team uh, pre-selected. Um, Sophie, who you mentioned, who uh, was the, the public face of uh, Marriage Alliance and was also involved with me in the Coalition for Marriage. So it feels like we've got the band back together in, in some ways. Uh, and That was the result of the... Pre selection process in New South Wales. In Victoria, good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Bailey, a former SAS soldier, um, former financial. Uh, advisor, a man with a lot of business acumen, a philanthropist, um, he, he's a very committed, uh, Roman Catholic, uh, loves God and is passionate about our nation. And then in South Australia, um, another good friend of mine, um, and, and look, I had no influence on, on these, uh, interstate pre-selections, but these are people I've known for years and worked with in politics. Uh, Ricky Lambert, um, who was with, uh, Family First, uh, now with the Conservative Party. He's been pre-selected as the lead candidate in South Australia. So, um, you know, Sophie, Uh, Kevin, Ricky and myself um, if we were able to go and join Corey down there uh, in the Senate boy, um, exciting days ahead
1: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson a biblical perspective on life culture and current events Lyle Shelton is
2: with us. What's wrong with Canberra? And when we talk about the role of Australian Conservatives, and people will see that as a minor party. Uh, You mentioned that there is a dream team that is lined up to uh, take some seats uh, on the crossbench uh, in Canberra. Uh, Lyle Shelton, what you're talking about, and some people might be disturbed with some of the terminology this idea of a revolution, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, some, some people will say, well, things are not bad enough yet, are they, uh, to have a revolution? Uh, and other people will say, well, I know about some revolutions of history, and they were violent bloody attacks and even wars. Mm. Uh, when you talk about a revolution, what sort of
3: things are you talking about? Yeah, certainly not violence and, and wars. Um, look, it, it's a metaphor, it's an analogy, and, and it's and it's an appropriate one because we've just spoken for the last 45 minutes about what's wrong with with our country. So many of our politicians can't see it. Uh, they're drifting along. They don't see the issues with the debt, with uh, energy policy. They don't see the issue with uh, what our children are being taught. So, so we need you know, to throw some metaphorical rocks in the pond to you know upset the balance there in Canberra we need a disruptor now I don't want a disruptor like Donald Trump who's rude and narcissistic and all that sort of thing but we do need a disruptor and revolution is a good um, way to describe what we need and I look back through history you look at 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 just revolutions like the American Revolution where citizens took it upon themselves to stand against the British who were unreasonably oppressing them. Now I think we are getting to the stage where we're seeing unreasonable oppression on freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Uh, our our economy is suffering as a result of um, the the energy policies so people need to rise up. Now not with muskets and arms like the American revolutionaries did but we need to join a movement that's going to be able to bring about and effect change and and it being part of a metaphorical army and that's what uh, we're seeking to offer with the Conservative Party. We need a new party because the old parties aren't listening. Um, we need third party insurance in the Senate. Uh, we need this disruptor and, um, and that's going to require a revolution in thinking, a revolution in action, doing things differently. One of your callers earlier said they'd never been part of a political party before. It's time that we joined up, uh, joined an army uh, and got involved because our nation is drifting and it needs our involvement to bring it back.
2: When you use the word
3: disruptor
2: uh, and we apply that to Corey Bernardi, yes, uh, clearly a disruptor, as are you, Lyle Shelton, a disruptor, Uh, not afraid to say your piece uh, no matter what sort of ramifications that might bring uh, not afraid of a little bit of public criticism uh, but uh, but there's going to be a lot more need for this disrupting to happen and of course as you mentioned uh, some of those other candidates and those who are already a part of the Australian Conservatives uh, that are already uh, in the uh, say uh, Rachel Carling Jenkins in Victoria you've already got people in places But there is going to be a need to somehow or other arrest the headlines. Absolutely. And in order to do that, Mm. oftentimes you have to create controversy uh, in the disruptive way that you're going to need to actually fight your way into the headlines uh, I mean I'm I'm not asking you to tell us now what your plan is but uh, but clearly you're going to have to actually shake a few cages in the times to come
3: Well well that's right e- even just by being here and saying the sort of things that I've said on this program today are enormously controversial in the minds of the elites that control our politics and our media and our universities and um we have to keep saying these things because when you say them uh, all hell breaks loose they say you can't say that gender is you know male female um you can't say that uh, we should burn coal to uh, generate cheap and affordable uh, electricity um we we don't need to worry about the debt you know all all of these things so that that The nation is drifting along in this hard green left uh, trajectory. Uh, If you seek to challenge that, um, that's when the elites come down like a ton of bricks. All hell breaks loose. And it takes uh, people who are willing, like uh, Senator Bernardi, uh, like uh, my fellow Senate candidates uh, that that are putting uh, ourselves up at the next election. uh, We're willing to buck the system to go against the flow. It's easier to go with the flow. Dead fish swim with the flow. But uh, if we're going to bring about the change that's desperately needed to burst this Canberra bubble and to bring common sense back to our nation, it's going to require disruptors, and that's what uh, we are seeking to offer. It's not easy. It's not easy to to buck the system, but it has to be bucked because the alternative for our children and our grandchildren is unthinkable. Too many dead fish in Canberra
2: going along with the flow. The need for disruptors is in the Parliament. Uh, Let's take one last call. Brian is in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hello, Brian. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts quickly? Uh,
0: Quickly, so um, the problem with Canberra is that the politicians have lost their honesty and their integrity, and all they can do is attack each other. So when you come to an electoral campaign, all that Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten can do is say last time that Labor was in power, they did this. Essentially, the people don't care about what happened last time, What we want to know is what they're going to do if we elect them moving forward for the next four years.
3: Good thoughts. A quick response? Brilliant thoughts, Brian, and uh, love Kalgoorlie. this is the problem no one uh, is articulating a vision for our nation uh, and if you take energy policy uh, it's a classic example um, everyone is is just got shades of this uh, national energy guarantee cutting emissions but no one can tell us how we're going to keep the lights on how we're going to keep electricity affordable no one has a vision for uh, ensuring that we weed out harmful gender ideology from our schools um and it's just status quo politics all the time and that's why uh, we want to be there in the senate because either Bill Shorten or Malcolm Turnbull will form government. We want to be there uh, uh, having your back, watching over them on your behalf. Thank Thank you so much to Brian from Kalgoorlie in WA. Time
2: has run out. And uh, when we talk about being a disruptor, the need for a revolution in Canberra, what's wrong with Canberra? Uh, People have said the system is broken. Uh, Talking about bursting the bubble. People are in a bubble in Canberra. Intellectuals who are influencing the way that people are thinking and those intellectuals coming from a very leftist uh, and as uh, someone described a little earlier, this idea of a cultural Marxist influence that is on the nation. In order to disrupt that, you have to have people who are supportive of what we'll, we'll call a conservative influence within government Uh, i am assuming that you're still looking and you will be looking in coming times lyle shelton uh, for a few more friends uh, for people who will be supportive of the party to join the party get involved in processes Uh, i imagine the connection point is going to be the website uh, conservatives.org.au what's your encouragement to people to uh, to get in line with uh, with policies that will support a christian ethic
3: Yeah, look, um, a Christian conservative ethic, as we've talked about, um, I'd encourage people to have a look at the website to, to join this movement. It is gathering momentum. It's exciting. Uh, we've got our first ever Queensland conference on in a couple of weeks. It's for members only. But uh, just to give your listeners a sense of, of the momentum that's gathering, um, we've got over 200 people that have uh, paid uh, to come along to a political party conference on a Saturday morning. Now, that's those numbers, um, would uh, any party would be proud to have those, let alone a new start-up party that, that is gathering momentum for this revolution. So I'm excited about the future. And I'd encourage people uh, that if you care about this nation, if you care about uh, the, the sort of culture that your children are going to inherit and your grandchildren, uh, now's the time to get involved while we still can. Well, Lyle Shelton,
2: thank you so much for taking some time out today out of a schedule that is for you getting busier and busier. And after Super Saturday elections this weekend, uh, you may be extra busy if there is that Uh, change in direction and the change in the things that typically happen with by-elections and if uh, the Turnbull government actually wins back one of those seats as you were predicting a little earlier the potential for an early federal election Uh, I'll point people to that website conservatives.org.au so that listeners can make their own assessment of the policies that you have up and uh, conservatives.org.au Lyle Shelton thanks so much for taking some time to share
3: your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020 it's been a real uh, privilege and a pleasure neil thanks for having us before you go thanks for listening
1: there's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au and remember vision is listener supported